How do you pay, man? Huh? If you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Straight cash, homie. Well, all right. Yeah. ten grand to me. Yeah. You know, ever since I turned pro in 1989, when I signed the dotted line, it was strange. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number six of the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. My name is Neil Rule, local sportscaster here in the Detroit area. As always, the brains of this operation joins me, Cameron Evans of the Evans Law Group, also a, re- a sports representative for Pivotal Sports Management as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Cameron underscore J underscore Evans. You can follow me on Twitter at Neil Rule, N-E-A-L-R-U-H-L. And don't forget... If you like what you're hearing here today, all you got to do, if you're listening on the SoundCloud page, the iTunes page, go to the search button, click in, Straight Cash Homie Podcast. It's all you got to do. Click subscribe. All the episodes will pop up on your phone. And when you're driving to and from work, dial it up on the old Bluetooth in the car. It's that simple, Cam. What a, what a world we live in, huh? The world is a great place, and it's a great place to be heading into fall. And one of the best things about fall is football is here once again. Absolutely. And, and while we're excited about football, just like everybody else is, we have a little bit of a different take on it here on the Straight Cash Homie podcast. The, the news really... Not necessarily of the day, but of the early season as it pertains to the Straight Cash Homie podcast format, Cam, is Zeke Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys has been in the news. And he's been suspended for six games, but he can play the first week, but he might not be able to play after that. And this all stems from the old NFL personal conduct rule that, that has been coming into play something we've seen time and time again, be it Bounty Gate, Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, Adrian Peterson, Tom Brady. And Cam, when you all boil it down, and look, Zeke Elliott right now with the, with the domestic dispute that happened and the NFL ruling that he will indeed serve a six-game suspension, that is under appeal. Now there, there will be a judge's ruling that will come down today as we do this on Friday, September the 8th. The, the ruling will come down, but Cam... How did we get to this point? I think we all know the framework of it, but explain it from a nuts and bolts perspective, how this is going down and why this is so convoluted. Well, part of it is that it's taken so long. So, um, you know, Elliot's former girlfriend, Tiffany Thompson, uh, claims that in July of 2016, so 14 months ago, um, you know, Zeke, you know, physically um, had contact with her in an inappropriate way on three separate occasions in Ohio. Uh, investigations been going on under the personal conduct rule the NFL instituted uh, without negotiating with the union um, and that investigation dragged on why we don't know um, but finally on uh, August 11th of this year uh, Goodell came out and said based on the investigation uh, found that Zeke violated the policy and under the policy he was going to get a six game um, suspension and first six games of the year uh, for the Cowboys, um, not only is he going to lose his game salary, but affects bonuses. He's got millions at risk here if this suspension is ultimately upheld through the court system. Um, under Article 46, that you'll hear that number a lot today. It's a big <laughs> number in the collective bargaining agreement. Is 46. Um, you know, he had a, three days to to go and uh, and appeal it with, through the NFL process. Uh, he did it. 
Um, you know, Arbitrator Henderson, who used to serve on the Management Council for the NFL for 17 years, um, have heard other appeals. Uh, Greg Hardy appeal, he, he reduced Greg's suspension from 10, to, 10 games to four, uh, was appointed as the arbitrator. Uh, he had a three-day hearing last week, um, and he came out earlier this week and said, no, I'm going to affirm the six-game suspension. And in the interim, the uh, Players Union and Zeke ran to court in Texas to try to get a court to issue a, a stop order, basically, on the mm-hmm. suspension because they say, we're going to appeal this to the court system anyways. And uh, that's what's going to get ruled on today by the judge down there, um, whether to enter what's called a temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction um, that would say, uh, if Zeke wins, Zeke, you can continue to play as the courts review your suspension. Um, and ultimately, if it's upheld, you're going to have to serve those six games at some point. That's what Brady did. Brady right. was allowed to play until he finally gave up after losing in the Court of Appeals. Now, could this be a situation where Zeke Elliott and his legal team, they continue to kick this can down the road where with, with the appeal, and obviously they're, they're going to drop the ruling today, but is this a situation where it could be like the Brady thing, where the can continues to get kicked down the road and we see a suspension maybe served next year even? You could, absolutely, because the NFLPA and Zeke, they're not going to give up on this issue. This is a broader issue besides Zeke for the union and the authority that Goodell has under Article 46 um, to rule on things that are detrimental to the league that happen off the playing field. Right. And these are you know less than 1% of these cases, but they're getting all the attention right now. And so you know if, the, if, you, if Zeke wins and the judge says no, you get to have your day in court, um, including if you wanted to, all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court if they'll take the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to serve your suspension until that's finally concluded. Yeah, this could easily drag on until next year. Um, and if the judge grants that, the judge ultimately has to make a decision as to whether or not he thinks that the suspension should either be upheld or overturned or changed somehow. One thing the judge can't do is increase it. Um, so we got that fight in Texas, and at the same point in time, the NFL, as soon as the arbitrator dropped his decision, ran and filed a case in New York federal court um, to get the award confirmed, saying, court, please bless it. It's right. Right. Because they wanted to be in the court in New York because that's where the Brady case took place, and that's where the federal court of appeals in, uh, in Brady said, no, the commissioner has this very, very broad, basically unfettered authority to rule in these types of cases any way he sees fit and any process he sees fit. And so, obviously, that's where the NFL wants to be. And the unions ran to Texas because they don't want to be subject to that Brady case as a, as a matter of right um, and then just be stuck with it. Well, Cam, it, it's interesting to me, not, not just because of the, the Zeke Elliott situation. And you see there's just so many angles. I mean, we could do a two-hour show just on this topic. There's so many angles in, in why there's so much interest in this case. I mean, we know why. Let's be real about why there's so much interest in this case from a public perspective. The fantasy football angle, uh, Dallas Cowboy fans, everybody that, that want to see the Cowboys do well, Zeke Elliott do well, they're paying close attention to this. Uh, all the billions of dollars that are, that are wagered in NFL games, all of this comes into account here, Cam, and that's a reason why you might see a little more notoriety for this than you might in terms of the run run of the mill DUI arrest or or getting drunk at a bar and getting arrested by the police at 2:30 a.m. you're going to you're going to see a little more about this because of how pr- high profile it is and what's at stake not only for Zeke Elliott not only for the NFL players union not only for the NFL owners and the NFL as a whole 
but for the Joe fan out there, the fantasy football guy, the the sports gambler, all those types of people also. And you hit the nail on the head. And the one thing I would add to that is that it is the nature of the allegations that here um, with how society has evolved in the last, even the last decade with respect to domestic violence um, involving, you know, all athletes, whether you're on college campus or you're dealing with a pro athlete, um, or even executives in, in, in corporate America, um, this is something now that gets the attention that it deserves. It is in the spotlight. Um, you're exactly right. If he would have been out and he, he would have been caught, you know, um, gambling on the uh, NCAA basketball tournament and that was going to be the issue, well, this wouldn't be as big. This is because of the nature of the domestic violence and what the NFL has done in the past and, you know, stubbed its toe and 15 years ago, you know, where they just turned the other way and not even dealt with this. You know, he certainly wouldn't have gotten a six-game suspension 15 years ago. Sure. Um, and so th- they're going through this. The NFL has its new policy that it's trying to uphold and, and, and establish this process. But this is under an intense spotlight. And then you throw it, you throw it for, you know, um, NFL Rookie of the Year. Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, America's team that's finally back. Right. Um, and as you said, now with fantasy sports, whether this, you know, whether he serves a six-game suspension or not, it's a big issue um, for people who are not necessarily fans of the Dallas Cowboys, but are fans of Zeke because they got him on their team, <laughs> right. or they, they, or their buddies in the league have Zeke on their team. And they want Zeke off that yeah. team. <laughs> Absolutely, and and it's vested. This is all monetary vested interest as well. And and as we found out, Cam, and really the whole thing, the crux of the Straight Cash Homie podcast, it all boils down to this. And I laugh because we do all these episodes and we talk about all these different incidents and everything that's going on from the business side of the world of sports, and it all comes back to the same thing every single time. Cash is king. <laughs> There's no question about it. It's it's undefeated. He is Cam Evans of Pivotal, Pivotal Sports Management. You can follow Pivotal Sports Management on Twitter at Pivotal, S-P-R-T-S-M-G-T. Also give us a follow on Twitter, the show. We just launched the uh, Twitter account recently, trying to build that up as well, at Straight Cash Pod. And uh, talking NFL football, Zeke Elliott, the hearing's going to come down today. The judgment's going to come down today, whether or not Zeke can keep playing while his six-game suspension is under appeal. So a lot of eyes on that and how it's going to shake out for Zeke. And Cam, the, the secondary conversation, because we're talking NFL football, and this is something you and I have talked about almost from the first day that we met when I knew that you were into sports law and things like that. I always had questions about this because throughout my sports media career, Anytime I've done talk radio here in Detroit or Sirius XM or wherever I've been, the business side of sports, when we discuss it to me, the one thing that jumps out is the very thing that we're about to tackle here on the Straight Cash Homie podcast. The NFL Players Union and the weakness of the NFL Players Union, to me, as as not a legal expert uh, such as yourself, to me, and it was interesting when we were talking in our pre-production meeting here today, I would perceive that the NFL Players Union has the most clout of any of the sports because it's the most popular sport in America by far. It's the highest revenue producer in America by far. Therefore, I would think that they would have the most clout from a labor union perspective because this is big. And you said it earlier, the NFL Players Union communicating to their membership now, 2020, 
is when their their labor deal comes up, their current labor deal comes up. They're communicating already and saying, "Hey, bank your money. We're going to dig in." But Cam, what? How could it be any different though? That they, they've took it on the chin every single time. I mean, you, you go back through players union history, 1968, 1982, 1987, 2011, 2011, the lockout. When that happened, the players union saw their cuts go from 53% of the revenue to 48% of the revenue, and they're letting Goodell rule on the personal conduct stuff. How can they take such L's, Cam? I mean, how can they lose and take it on the chin all the time like this? Well, the one thing, even though it is, you know, represents the players that are in the, the most popular sport that generates the most money, unions are, you know, no stronger than their members are. And what distinguishes the NFL from Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the National Basketball Association is the shortness of the careers of their players. And so you, you look at it as a player will look at it, as members of the union. They have a very short life cycle already. Their career is ice. I mean, it melts quickly. Right. So, you know, is it 3.6 years is the average? You know, oh, okay, I'm going to take a year off to go and fight something that may be beneficial for future players. But now all of a sudden, my three and a, three and a half year average is down to 2.5, and I just left 30% of my earning capacity, maybe the highest earning capacity I'll ever have in my life, on the table. Um, and, you know, ultimately, in whatever sport it is, it's when the players go out on strike or the, or the owners lock them out, at some point those players break financially Mm -hmm. they break emotionally because they're not doing what they love and there's no you can't have a substitute for playing pro sports you can work out as much as you want you got that competitiveness but you do that and 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 they lose it where you're looking at the careers of the nba you know they can withstand it more being out longer but even then the nba i mean patrick ewan you know he was crying you know how broke he was and you know but you 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 do it for four months yeah you know cam they make a lot of money but they spend a lot of money too. They do, and 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 the checks only come you know seventeen times a year in the NFL and and the like. So, and 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 on the other side, you have owners who are billionaires who made their billions not owning teams. Sure, this is like having a you know a nice vacation home for them. They get to go play with monopoly money to a certain mm-hmm. extent because it's not their main business. It's not what their fortune is based on, um, and they can dig in. And, and, and they, didn't, they didn't make their billions by losing in the boardroom either. No, exactly. Um, and, and so they know what they're doing. They're incredibly smart. Um, they're obviously financially, you know, um, teed up to go deal with this. And they make a decision is what's ultimately going to be in their best interest. But an owner's best interest is not the next five years. The owner's best interest is looking far longer into the future. Sure. What's going to set up the league for the most success 10 15 years down the road because that, you know, is easily in their life cycle of ownership because, you know, look how long these people own these teams. Mm-hmm. And, and Cam, I guess it boils down to this. If the NFL Players Union want to be on par with the other labor unions in terms of professional sports in America, they're going to have to go to Armageddon. They're, they're going to have to go and die on the hill and say, we will sit out a year. We will sit out two years if that's what it takes. But as you bring up, and, and it makes sense to me, and, and I begin to understand a little bit, but if you go throughout history, not just in sports, but if you go out through American history 
and labor history where 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 you live in in terms of the the labor industry and where you are with all the labor representation that you do that's how it's always been brought about right the changes come when the worker has been prepared to die on the hill and in some cases died on the hill literally you know especially i mean you know, we we're fortunate enough to you know have our uh, you know podcast emanate from metro detroit uh, but yeah i mean men and women gave their lives they weren't going to go home and see their spouses or kids again to have workers that have right and we just celebrated labor day sure. um in here and you know and, and you think of the walter ruthers of the world and and what they went through i mean here's a here's a man that as he was in his kitchen with his family opening the refrigerator somebody came up with a 12-gauge shotgun and blasted it through the window and almost took his arm off let alone kill him right um but it, it is it is that sense and it's that stake and now you're dealing with professional players who are making an incredible amount of money and but again they have a very very short life span in the nfl and how much are they willing to to say i i, I will t- give up a year of my career not career i'll give up a year of my highest earning mm-hmm. potential to be able to make this better for somebody else who's going to make more money than I ever did for an issue that we're dealing with with Zeke on a personal conduct that doesn't affect very many people and really in the in the broad scale of things has zero financial effect on the union or as on the collective bargaining agreement you're dealing with one player Brady you know you got a handful of players so they you know they lose for them it's really important for that individual player not only monetarily reputation wise Endorsements oh, wise, whatever yeah. you want to do, mm-hmm. absolutely, um, and and I'm not trying to downplay that, but from the union perspective, you got a lot of issues that you want to go and negotiate when the next CBA is coming to expire. This certainly be one because they do not like. It, it's not so much that the commissioner has this unfettered discretion; it is the manner in which. It is perceived by the union and for a large part of society of how he is using that discretion. And is he, you know, you negotiate for a kangaroo court, you get a kangaroo court, and that's okay under the law in the collective bargaining setting, especially in pro sports. They're very hands off. Sure. You know, there's bigger, there's bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. Right. And, 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 and the union's very worried about fundamental fairness in these hearings access to witnesses, access to documents. Are our guys getting a fair shake? Um, and if this would be a very different situation. So in Zeke's case, you know, the arbitrator Henderson, he refused Zeke's request to have the, his accuser, his former girlfriend, appear and testify. The arbitrator refused to have the NFL investigator who interviewed the former girlfriend to have her notes turned over of the interview. And it turned out that the investigator, one of the co-investigators, came to the conclusion that there should be no discipline issued to Zeke over that. And it turned out that Goodell was never informed of that opinion. So if you're the NFL, if you, if you just, if you allowed this stuff to come in and you still end up at a six-game suspension, this whole fight, this whole power grab um, wouldn't be there. Right, but, and and when you say arbitrator, which, which is a in this case, especially in the Zeke Elliott case, arbitrator is a very very loose term because we, again, not not a labor law guy, which I am not. I'm more of a crack a cold one, eat some nachos, and watch the game guy. I'm I'm well, more call, I'm, yeah. call the game yeah guy. call the game <laughs> guy even. Um, that's more my style. But when you say arbitrator, 
Like, I laugh, I chuckle uh, quietly every single time you say that because the quote-unquote arbitrator in this case, who's supposed to be a neutral party, right? No. No, no. So you think. You would think. You, see, you <laughs> use the word arbitrator. That's what is society says. Oh, it should be somebody neutral. The collective bargaining agreement says the exact opposite. Right. S- collective bargaining agreement says in these types of cases, um, conduct detrimental and violation of personal conduct policy, um, is that it can be, can be Goodell himself or Goodell gets to pick whoever he wants to be. Right. And so he picks, obviously, Henderson, who's a 17-year, former 17-year um, employee of the NFL, head of the NFL Management Council, and all deep relationships with the NFL. Um, his perception is that you got somebody who is not um, um, neutral, so to speak, sure. from a perception standpoint. But that that's what it allows. And it's vastly different under what's set up under Article 40, uh, 46 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement for unnecessary roughness. Um, that happens on the field um, because there, um, which is bargained as well, how, how we, that is handled, that, right? And now you got you got two agreed upon arbitrators that sit, and one of them will get picked to go and hear somebody who's been you know unnecessary roughness or unsportsmanlike conduct and has uh, either a fine or a suspension out of that. So there you have the NFL and the union have agreed. On the two people that will sit as the arbitrators for those types of cases, but in personal conduct, it is the commissioner or his designee and the union. And it's you know it's not just this agreement. There's predecessor agreements that go back for commissioner discipline. The union, the union has has agreed because it it didn't come up that often. And right. part of it, as we talked about before, is society has changed in the nature of the allegations for the better, no question. And for the better, right? And so, but now all of a sudden, these types of claims. Um, which have led to these suspensions um, are getting all the you know getting the spotlight. Which comes back to it for me, Cam, because again, just being a common guy, I go through these talking points. Okay, 2011 comes, we redo the labor agreement with the players' union and the National Football League. The cut of the revenue goes from 53 percent that the players were getting to 48 percent. The personal conduct stuff, the off the field stuff goes to a, a sole two-person panel, which Goodell is, is one of the <laughs> one of the members of the panel, or they can do their arbitrator who, who they see fit to hear everything. If I'm the common fan, I look at this and I'm like, why? Cam, break this down from a legal perspective. Is it just as simple? They agreed to this in 2011 because they wanted the checks to keep coming. The players, that's, is that bottom line? And the, and the players did receive some significant... Um, benefits out of that collective bargaining agreement. I mean, you hit some of the downfalls, but, mm-hmm. you know, the union got some wins on that. Um, and, and, and part of it was restructuring of, of the rookie cap, mm-hmm. um, which is very beneficial to veterans. And, they, they, I mean, and, and they got some other benefits um, on the fringes and, and other. And so there's a lot of there was a lot of positives out of that for the union. There's a lot of positives out of it for the NFL. It's typically why when you end up with a collected bargaining agreement sure. that people can agree upon is that there's enough there that you really like and there's enough there that you can swallow and not throw up and move on. But all we hear about, though, Cam, all we hear about is this, the personal conduct stuff, which which seems to get dragged on forever. And the one that jumps out at me, 53% of the revenue, which the NFL makes a hell of a lot of revenue goes from 53% to the players to 48%. 5% of a ton is a lot. Because eventually the league had more leverage and more power and more sustaining power 
than the union had because the union members were having enough of it. And they went to a battle for a long time. You know, and it was not simple. It was not a simple process. It was complicated. Remember, they decertified the union so they could sue them for antitrust, and they negotiated and they recertified the union so they could have a collective bargaining agreement. Um, And you're going to see another long, drawn out um, process. And here you're going to have some very bitter feelings. But the question is going to become, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to change Goodell's discretion and authority on these types of matters under Article 46? Um, and you're going to have to sacrifice something because right now, if I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm the commissioner and I'm the, the owners, I'm like, the union doesn't like me. The union doesn't like that I have all this power. Right. And, and they want to change that. Well, to change it, they're going to have to give up some stuff. Sure. Uh, to even potentially consider it. And obviously Goodell, he's got the blessing of the owners, although he's suspended star players for the two most important owners in Kraft and, and, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought that Jones. up. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Because of Bob Kraft and Jerry Jones, it hit home for them. And we know those guys are as competitive as anybody maybe that's on the football field playing the game, especially in Jerry Jones. Does Goodell have to tread lightly in this stuff. I mean, I guess he doesn't because he didn't care because he dropped the hammer on Brady and he's trying to drop the hammer on Zeke Elliott. How? When, when does it become no longer good for business for Roger Goodell to act in this fashion? When you have a um, enough of the owners say that he is no longer a, um attribute and a, and a benefit to the league and hence to their money. Mm-hmm. Right now he doesn't have He's got a five-year extension. Sure. You know, the, the vast majority of the owners support him and what he's done. And, and they, he has made that league and those owners a lot of money since Absolutely. he has been a commissioner um, and structured things just like you're talking about what happened in the last collective bargaining agreement and what's going on with TV rights and all this other stuff that's happening. Um, so the money is flowing into the owners. And so they, they like that. Now, yeah, he's going to butt heads. Maybe some of the... Um, less influential or um, the ones who do not have as much notoriety type of owners um, actually appreciate that, that he was willing to go and butt heads with the ones who have the loudest mouths in the room or mm-hmm. who perceive to have the most authority, not authority, but, you know, connection, relationship, you know, so maybe they're, they're feeling good about this, that he's not afraid to take on um, the people who are the golden boys. Right. And, 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 and impact their abilities to win games, get to the playoffs, and ultimately win a Super Bowl. Because all, all these owners are competitive. They all want to win the Super Bowl. Right. That, <laughs> so, that's why they're especially doing Especially these two. Yeah. Kraft and Jones, what we're talking about. Yeah. So, so my question to you, Cam, is, is a two-part question. A, how do you see the Zeke Elliott scenario shaking out in your educated opinion? My educated opinion is that he will um, prevail in the trial court in the federal system down in Texas, um, not only from the standpoint of having his suspension put on hold, but ultimately, like, like what happened in the Brady case, having the federal trial judge saying this lacked fundamental fairness, this arbitration, to such an extent that I don't have to give deference to it. And therefore, I'm voiding the suspension. Then it's going to go up to a federal court of appeals, and uh, I think they'll do exactly what the, the the court of appeals did in Brady, and say no, the collective bargaining agreement, 
gives the commissioner this type of authority. There's no procedures or protocol as to what evidence has to be put in. This is labor justice, which is very different than legal justice. It's sure. in the labor collective bargaining arena. Um, and, uh, and his suspension will be upheld, and, and he will serve it, uh, ultimately just like Brady did. Um, and the, I mean, the other thing that you know, I think the union or the, the league is trying to send a message to the players in the union is that if you go and say you're going to sue over this and you go and sue it, we're not going to even talk to you about maybe coming to an, a, a gentleman's agreement to maybe reduce this a game or two and come to a settlement right. of it. Um, we are going to go and fight tooth and nail. Because, um, again, if, if the NFL wins this, think big picture here. NFL wins this case too. Goodell basically has, has free reign. all the right. power in this area, scares the living daylights out of the union and the members that this is what can happen if I get uh, accused of something that is off the field detrimental, um, then I really am not going to get a fair shake. I'm not going to be able to call witnesses that I want to call, get evidence, whatever it is. That just increases the leverage the league has over the union come the next collective bargaining round. Right. And then again, it comes back to, again, how much does the union want to change this pretty minor provision in a 300-page collective bargaining agreement? And I will spin that back then. How do you see this? And obviously it's very early, and, and this is down the road, but this is something I think is, is on the forefront of a lot of people's minds because I will say this. While you're right, and if this plays out the way the league wants it to play out, then they flex a little more at, at, at the next labor union negotiation in terms of what they're going to do with the NFL Players Union. But I will ask you this question. How do you see that down the road playing out? As 2020, it's on the horizon. The labor union, are, they're telling their players, bank your money, prepare. Prepare for, for what we may have to do here. Big picture, sitting in this chair today, Cam, how do you see that shaking itself out? Uh, a long labor starts a stoppage. Players will strike. Um, and th and then, you know, as it relates to this precise issue that we're talking about, uh, I think that more likely than not, the way this one gets resolved is Goodell keeps the ability to sit as a sole arbitrator or appoint an arbitrator of his discretion uh, to hear these types of cases. But there will be two things that will be negotiated and agreed upon. Um, Cookie-cutter suspensions? Well, well, the, the personal conduct rule as a whole, I think, it will be subject to negotiation mm -hmm. and, and, and agreed upon. So the union has had to say, and I think it will look different. And I think in part of either in that policy or in the collective bargaining agreement itself, there will be more detailed protocol of what has to happen in these hearings that allow the union to be able to say, all right, our people are getting a fair shake. Now, that's, you know, it, it's, it's illusory from my opinion because they're going to decide what they want to decide. If Goodell has the authority to be the arbitrator if he wants to be, he was the arbitrator for the Brady case. He's had that authority or the commissioner has had that sure. authority forever when it deals with commissioner discipline. So he's not going to give up that. Uh, and the league's not going to give up that. But now it's going to be, okay, now we'll go through these other hoops, and you can call the witnesses, you can call the accuser. Ultimately, does it change what happens, for what, what he wants to happen in a given situation? Eh, I'd say probably not. 
But now it takes away that issue from the union that we're not getting fundamental fairness. We can't call our witness. We can't cross-examine the accuser. We can't look at evidence, whatever it is. Um, and then the union can go to the players and say we have made some meaningful strides in this area. Do you think the NFL needs to be careful coming up here with this, with the labor labor union negotiation? I'm of the opinion, and, I, and I've heard this on a, on a local sports talk radio show in town, and, and I echo these sentiments. Uh, Mike Valeni of 97.1 The Ticket here in Detroit talked about how the NFL has is over the apex now as far as revenue generation, the money, everything that goes about it all bubbles burst right i mean at, at some point all bubbles burst and you can't you can't be trending up green arrow forever there comes a point where you reach that apex and, and you begin i don't want to say a descent but when you're going downhill you're descending i mean that's that's the way it is that's the definition of the word but ha, does the nfl need to be cautious in this because of that are they at a dangerous point right now I would say they. I say they. They're at crossroads, but not because of Goodell's handling of these one-off cases. You're talking about a totality. I'm picture. talking the, the bigger picture because are you not going to watch the NFL if Zeke gets a six-game suspension? No, you'll still watch. People are going to still watch. It's not that big enough a deal. All right. I think the bigger issue is CTE. I mean, it's a fundamental component of what happens on the playing field um, and and the perception. And I'm big into what is people's perception because perception turns into reality, whether it's There's true no, or not. There's no question about that. You know, and, and is it to to an extent that you, you don't have people playing at a younger age, you have less kids playing, you have a less interest in it. Um, you know, as you know, it's, it's not going to get less violent going forward. People are going to get stronger and faster. Five years from now, they're going to be stronger and faster because right. they now because training is going to be better, whatever it is. And so, you know, what's going to happen there to be able to give people an assurance that, in essence, we need to protect these people from themselves, someone just like the owners, mm -hmm. is because they love this game. They're willing to go out there and put their, not only their bodies, but their mind and their soul at risk. Sure. To go and risk it all and, and, and play what they how they want to play. Um, you know, you just and so you, you think at that is, you know, is there going to be equipment changes There going to be rule changes? Um, who knows what's going to happen? But I think that has a far greater chance of having an, a, a detrimental effect on the league going forward than Goodell suspending somebody. And, you know, I don't know, Zeke, you know. But, you know, Zeke comes out and you know, basically says, yeah, you know, I you know, did drugs at Ohio State. I was worried I wasn't going to pass the drug test, you know, sure. at, at the Combine and stuff like that. And at least he's honest about I mean, it. He's honest yeah, about I, it. I respect that. You he know? comes out and he's honest you about know, it. And that, you know, and, and, and that he puts himself in bad situations, you know. Doesn't mean mm -hmm. he deserves anything, you know, if he doesn't isn't responsible for something. But, you know, you go out and you drink to excess, you know, you put yourself in a bad situation. Sure. Uh, we all remember those days. Sure. And 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 except here, you know, they got millions at stake, and everybody knows them. Um, but no, I think I think you look at it, and you look at what's going to happen from a physical standpoint of the game, is a far greater challenge to the league and the union there to you know protect their members, um, and 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 how you deal with it, how is it addressed. Um, then what I say is a very important. It's a great run up. 
But if these two issues would have been a backup quarterback for the uh, Minnesota Vikings, who allegedly had the balls deflated, um, and then you had a third-string running back um, for um, just the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jackies, yeah. Ja- oh yeah, they still got a team, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Right. <laughs> they haven't gone to London yet. That's right. So Jacksonville, that that has this happen, then it was, wouldn't be getting the spotlight. Nobody would care. Sure. It's who this has happened to. Um, and and I just I don't see it because the because the NFL is going to come out and err on the side of caution in my opinion that we're going to whack the player as opposed to being perceived we don't care about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. That's the message they're going to send, and and so I think that's not going to have a financial hit on people's willingness to play fantasy sports, follow the game because fantasy sports drives in part the revenue. Because everybody's watching the games or following on live stream. And we've talked about through, what's the next communication avenue out there besides TV mm-hmm. that the leagues are going to be able to control and make more money off of. Right. Um, and, um, and so I, I, I think CTE and the overall mental health of players and, their, and, and what I really think is soul, too. I mean, you're, their soul's getting affected when you're talking about brain injuries sure, and who they are as a person and what distinguishes them from every other human being on the planet um, is, is going to be something that's really going to um, potentially have a far greater effect um, on the longevity and the success of this league. And if you want to go back and listen to any of the past episodes here of the Straight Cash Homie podcast, just go to the iTunes page. Search Straight Cash Homie Podcast, and you can listen to them all. They'll all be lined up. Go ahead and click subscribe while you're there as well. He is Cameron Evans, the founder of the Evans Law Group, also a member of Pivotal Sports Management, the sports management company as well. Follow him on Twitter at Cameron underscore J underscore Evans. You can follow me, Neil Rule, on Twitter as well, at Neil Rule, N-E-A-L-R-U-H-L. Just like that, Cam. 37 plus minutes in the books I could chop it up again like I talked about earlier we, we could spend hours spend hours talking about this and what's going on with the NFL so we will uh, we will wrap things up here next episode coming at you Cam I wanted to get into to expansion fees as, as the Vegas Golden Knights uh, prepare to get things going in the National Hockey League everything that's going on with the MLS as well Expansion's always been a, a a fascinating topic to me because of the buy-in money, the cover charge, I guess, as you will, to get into that. So that's something that we'll talk on. And, of course, we'll monitor the Zeke Elliott stuff as it goes on, and we'll keep an eye on everything on the business side of sports. Had a great time today, as always, my friend. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. So we appreciate all of you listening as well. Again, subscribe on iTunes, the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. For my partner, Cameron Evans, my name is Neil Rule. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Well, see you later.